Okay, we are ready to begin. This is Exparsha's Parsha's bow. This evening's topic is going to be on whether or not one is allowed to use machine Shmura Matzah for the Passover Seder, for the Pesach Seder. That's the question. Now, as always, this is a very big topic. Uh, it is uh, discussed exhaustively by the uh, commentaries. And we will try this evening, we will endeavor to have a feeling for at least part of the discussion and understand some of the issues that are brought up as far as the issue. We'll try to summarize and uh, discuss the issue with some level of, uh, of understanding of the questions that are involved and the solutions that are made. <coughs> we begin with this Ishpasha. The Torah tells us, You shall keep you shall um, watch, you should guard the matzos. Because on this day, on the essence of this day, I've taken out your hosts from the land of Egypt, you shall keep this day, for generations, this is the statute forever. So what does it mean that you should watch the, uh, you, shall, you should watch, guard the matzos? So Rashi says, Guarding the matzahs means you should make sure they don't become chametz. You should make sure that they don't, that the matzah, that the dough, the water doesn't, the dough and the water, the, the, the dough doesn't ferment before it's baked. To make sure that it doesn't become bread. What about, what about when it's growing? So when it's growing, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see maybe when it's growing if the, the Mishnah Brewer says that according to some opinions, if it uh, dries out, if the, if the wheat dries out while it's still in the stalks, so to make sure you have to, you have to harvest it, to try to harvest it before it rains, because then it become it can uh, uh, it can ferment if it's exposed to water. Okay, fine. So, but anyway, but that's what I said. The simple explanation is you have to make sure. What does it mean to keep the matzos? What does it mean to keep to make sure that they don't become chametz? That's Rashi's explanation. The next words of Rashi is is that he quotes the Medrash of Yeshua said you shouldn't read the word matzah, you should read the word mitzvah. So make sure that the mitzvahs, the person should guard the mitzvahs. That if a mitzvah comes into one's hand. They shouldn't make it into chametz. I mean, they shouldn't let it sit and fester. They should perform it immediately. Should do the mitzvah. Mitzvah boli Mitzvah comes in and atach mitzana. Do not make it chametz. That's the. So we discussed one time what's the juxtap. What is the? Why is it that in the mitzvah of matzah it is hidden uh, this message that every mitzvah has to be performed with alacrity and zealousness and speed? Um, separate discussion. Okay, but that's what Rashi says. Rashi's explanation is simple. What the Torah says: make sure that the matzah does not become chametz. The uh, Gemara in Tractate Sachem, page thirty-eight A, says the following thing. The Gemara is like this. Rava said. Uh, the Gemara tells us there's a Mishnah on page thirty-five A. There was a carbon, there's a sacrifice that's brought that I think discussed in Parshas Sav. Sacrifice called the carbon toda. Carbon toda is a thank you offering, basically. A person is saved out of danger, so they have to bring they have to bring an animal, and with the animal they have to bring forty loaves of bread. So ten, forty loaves of bread. We discussed this also at a seven and it there says the reason we have to make our forty loaves of bread because the Torah wants you to invite people and discuss the miracle that happens. You should make what we call a suda sarda, a meal of thanks. For uh, for whatever has happened, person the trivials that he that he, they have encountered. You're not but burning up the forty loaves. No, they have to be eaten. So what? what? 
eaten. So ten of those loaves have to be made out of matzah. So the Mishnah says that those ten loaves that are made out of matzah, they cannot be used on, on the Seder night. They cannot be used for the mitzvah of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah when one eats on the Seder night. In other words, you can't say the bracha on this matzah, one cannot say the bracha on the matzah that was brought for the carbon toda for this sacrifice. So the Gemara says, why not? Why can't you do that? Says the Gemara, on page 38, the Gemara says, the Robert tells us because of what it says in this week's Pasha. It says in this week's Pasha, Shmartemesamatos, you should keep the, you should guard the matzahs. Matzah hamishtamerish was saying matzah. That means that the matzahs have to be kept for the sake of matzah. What does it mean for the sake of matzah? So Rashi explains, when you make sure that it doesn't become chametz, like Rashi says in, in, in the Torah, his kavin, you should also have the intent when you're keeping this matzah, l'shem matzah shal mitzvah. You should have the intent for the matzah of the mitzvah. It has to be that person when they keep the matzah, when they're, when they're, when they're doing the mitzvah, that it should be for the matzah to do the mitzvah of matzah with. That should be the intent. It's not enough to say that I'm, I'm guarding this matzah so it shouldn't become chametz. Person also has to keep in a guard of this uh, of this matzah for the sake of that it should not become chametz, and therefore the matzah which is made for the carbon toda for the thank you offering cannot be used for the seder night because that matzah was made even though it's not chametz. That matzah was made for the sake of the thank you offering for the carbon toda and not for the mitzvah of matzah. Therefore, it's disqualified as. Therefore, it is disqualified as. The uh, as as a what we call matzah mitzvah, a matzah that could be used for the mitzvah. What? This is part of what was brought, and we're supposed to eat that, but you're not supposed to eat the matzah before the seder. No, the sacrifice is not brought during the seder. The carbon total sacrifice is brought. No, the carbon total sacrifice has chametz in it also. It is brought as a sacrifice any time during the year, as a requirement for somebody who has escaped from danger. Somebody who's saved from danger. Nothing to do with Pesach. Just that there's a separate law that ten of those hollows, ten of those breads, out of the forty breads, a four of those breads should be matzah. But that matzah is disqualified for the Seder, says the Torah, because the, the Gemara, because it is not made for the mitzvah of matzah. So you see that the matzah, which is eaten on Seder night, has to be made with the specific intent, with the special intent, that this matzah was made for fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah. Fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah. So, what? Your specific time interval from the time you harvest until you Oh, this is not a discussion for, this, for, for now. How much, how much time it is from the time... As of now, simple, you have to make sure that it doesn't become, that it doesn't become chametz. The matzah does not become chametz. That's it. You have to make sure, and it has to be with the proper intent for the, for the sake of the, fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah. This is what we call matzah's mitzvah. This is what it's called matzah shmura. This is shmura matzah. Shmura matzah is matzah. The word shmura means from ushmartem, from the word to keep, to watch, to guard. Matzah shmura means matzah that was guarded for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah. That's shmura matzah. Okay, and we're going to see a little bit more in detail in the halacha. But before we continue, I just want to discuss a little bit, perhaps maybe the 
these two obligations. So we basically see that there's two obligations. First of all, one's not ready to come, it's on Pesach. That's number one. Number two is, is in addition to that, that when one keeps the making sure that the matzah is not chametz, one also has an additional obligation. That additional obligation is to make sure that the matzah is made for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah with this matzah. Those are the two different obligations. So what I want to explain a little bit, and the truth is you can fill in the blank of explaining these two reasons. This is only for the sake of, uh, of exegesis, for uh, drush uh, explanation. So here, the Osnayim um, Latora. Rabbi Rabzaman uh, Saraskin in his uh, in his commentary on the Torah in this in, in this parsha he gives the following explanation for why uh, the Torah requires that we should keep the matzah. So he says like this. It's very interesting. He says that that chometz itself chometz itself baked matzah is shows on um, distinction. It shows on uh, separation disparity. Why? Because when you take yeah, the dough, the opposite of unity. Chomet is representative of the opposite of unity. It is uh, disunity. Okay. He explains. He says like this. He says, when you, you take dough, and so when you take dough and you bake it, so what happens is, is that when it rises, it separates from itself. It's kind of like it expands and, and, and crusts and separates from one to the other. Don't go to the other. Right? It, he says it, uh, it expands and it goes up and gets bigger and then it comes sometimes in, in certain cases it uh, comes out of the, uh, out of the pan or out of, out of the bowl because it ri- the dough rises. That's separation. The dough is separating because it's be- it, the fermentation process is creating separation, he says. Right? Well, it's, it, 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 you know, this is... However, before it becomes chametz, right, the, the, uh, the flour, the water, come together, the flour and the water come together and attach each other, uh, attach and become one. The dough becomes one. And when you bake it, immediately it becomes a, a hard, you know, if you bake it like a matzah, it becomes a hard, solid mass, right? So, therefore, the Jewish people were commanded a mitzvah of matzah. Why, he says? In order to teach us that only because, it's, it's because that we have thrown away this unity, the disparity from ourselves, and the Lashon Hara is why we were saved from Mitzrayim. Why do we put perforations in it? What? Why do we put perforations in That's it? That's a good question. I don't know, so it doesn't rise. So it stays one. Sometimes there are perforations. That's what you have to add to that Jewish. I'm not sure. He says, and this is the reason, he says, this is the reason of the prohibition of Chametz on the days of Pesach. In order that it should warn us that we should stay away from separation and argument and dispute and Lashon Hara. That's the, what Chametz is all about. That's what he says. And this we can understand what uh, the Torah is telling us here. That's what the Torah means. The Shmartemesamatos. You should you should guard the matzos. So the zamzo shmartim matzos that they should not become chametz. That's what Rashi said. They should not become chametz. That's what we're guarding from. Should not become chametz. Why? Continues the Torah. Because on this day, I have on, on the, essentially on this day I have taken your house out of the land of Egypt. Why? That I have I have revealed myself to you to redeem you from the land of Egypt. 
He says, I did not ferment the redemption. Immediately, the redemption happened. That if the, if the Rosh Hashanah would have waited a day or two, and the, the revelation of Hashem, the emanation of the, of the, of the divine, would have been uh, delayed, then people would have started talking. Like uh, he, he refers to the Gemara in Brachos, that uh, on page 17a, the Gemara says in Brachos that what prevents us from serving Hashem, the, uh, the, um, the uh, yeast or the, 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 ferment, the fermenting agent in the, in the dough. That may, that, that, that's what the Gemara, the Gemara makes that analogy. So he says, what does that mean? He says people would have started talking. They would have said, where are we going? What are we going to do over there? What are we going to eat over there? If, if the idea of the fact that they were going to walk out of Egypt would have festered and fermented, then the talkers and the kvetchers would all come up and the, and, the, and the dough would rise and they would cause separation in the congregation. So therefore Hashem said, This day I didn't delay. I took you out. And I made sure that before there was chametz, before any of this started, I made sure to take you out. And therefore everybody left. That's what he said. Everybody who was, you know, was there at the time, they left. Right? Yeah, survived the darkness. So he says, and therefore, everybody survived the Therefore, you have to keep this day for generations. And that's why you have to make the sure that the matzah does not become homage. Because the whole reason, that's the way the gula happened, that's the way the redemption happened also. Okay, fine. So we plugged in why it cannot become homage. You could say, you know, whatever... Whatever explanation you want to say, the reason why we have to obviously make sure to guard the matzos is we have to make sure that the matzos does not become chametz. Why do we have to make sure that the matzos does not become chametz? So says Rabbi Zaman the reason why is because the Hashem wants to impress upon us with these mitzvot that we should stay unified as opposed to being separated. Okay? So perhaps maybe that's what we could say there's an additional mitzvah here that the, the, there's an additional mitzvah in the Torah that the Gemara is telling us. First of all, you have to make sure that the matzah does not become chametz, and then the Gemara is telling us you have to also make sure that the matzah is guarded for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of the matzah. Now, why do you have to guard the, the, the matzah for the say, that it should be made for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of the matzah with this matzah? Because it's not enough to just to make sure that it doesn't become chametz. We have to also stay cognizant of the fact, why are we making sure that it doesn't become chametz? Because we want it to be like matzah, which is, represents unity amongst the Jewish people. So therefore, this is an additional mitzvah. Not only to make sure that it doesn't become chametz, but also to make sure that the matzah is made for the sake, for the shema, the shame matzah's mitzvah, for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah with this matzah. Okay? So that's the, that's the jush, that's the, the homiletic uh, insight into, into this mitzvah. But be that as it may, so we have this concept called Shmura Matzah. Right? And that's the way it is quoted La Locha. That's the way it is quoted La Locha. It is uh, in, in the, in the Mishnah Brura. Mishnah Brura says like this in, in um, the laws of Pesach in 453, 4. Um, it says like this. If you read the, the kernels of wheat from which the the matzah is made for the mitzvah. It's good to watch them so that water should not fall upon them from the time of harvesting, or at least from the time of grinding. And if there is no other choice, it is permissible to buy 
uh, flour from the marketplace. In other words, from a, from a non-Jewish person, from a to buy flour in the marketplace. So the Mishnah Brewer here explains, right, in the, on this, on this, on this halacha. He says, um, what does it mean that you have to make sure that the matzah, this water does not fulfill, or doesn't fall on it? What this means is, is that the matzah that we're eating the first two nights of Pesach, the first two nights of Pesach, to fulfill the mitzvah of the Erev Toklu Matzah, that on the evening you have to eat the matzah. They need an extra guard, and it's not sufficient that there is no chametz. It needs an extra guard, shame for the sake of matzah mitzvah, for the sake of the matzah of the mitzvah, and he quotes our pasuk in our pasha, ushmarte mesamatos, and you should keep the matzos, and he quotes the gemara that we're saying on uh, page thirty-eight B that it means that it should be for the sake of the for the sake of fulfilling the, the, the mitzvah of matzah with this matzah. L'shem matzah. So there are some say that it has to be from the time of the harvest. From the time that we're harvesting the kernels of wheat. That water does not fall or fill upon them. Does not, does not fall upon them. But before that, one does not have to. And then he brings up your point. That if it dries up, so the custom, if it dries up while it's still sitting in the stalks, they have to make sure that the water should not fall on top of that. It's better to harvest it when the stalks are still moist, because if they dry up in the stalks, which they do, if they're left in the sun, then they can ferment already. So therefore, they should be harvested before that. That's according to that opinion. According to the opinion, it says from the time of grinding, uh, because that's when you're bringing it to the water, and therefore that's what it means, that, that's what it requires shmir. So therefore you have the second opinion from the time of grinding, and the third opinion, which when we have no choice, the third opinion, when we have no choice, in that case, in that case, in the third opinion, you can go buy flour from the marketplace, or you can go buy flour from the uh, supermarket, when there is no other option, because we rely on those opinions, they're, they're hold that the shmirah, the, the guarding of the matzah, is only required from the time of needing. So therefore, if one buys the flour and then adds the water, there's still no requirement of shmirah until the time of needing. There's no requirement of keeping the matzah until one needs the matzah. Right? And so therefore, you can buy it. So then he goes into, you have to make sure that when one buys flour, you have to make sure that it's not, it's not mixed with anything, any, any chametz and fermentation. That's already a separate, a separate discussion itself. Then the Mishnah Barura says at the end of number 25, he says like this, he says, The, the strict letter of the law does not require this mitzvah of Shmir, does not require this mitzvah of watching, the, of guarding the matzos only for the first two nights of Pesach. Now it's to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah during the Seder. That's the strict letter of the law. Shmura matzah is only required for the for the for the Seder. However, but the rest of the days it's sufficient that if the matzah does not have any chametz in it, right? However, the Jewish people are kedoshim. The Jewish people are holy. Therefore, they do they do this guard for all the matzos. Meshas techina from the time of grinding. Or at least from the time of, at least from the time of, of meeting. So all the matzahs should be guarded 
For the shemat is mitzvah either from the time of guarding or from the time of meeting, for the sake of the matzah. At least, right? So the, 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 the letter of the law says only the first two nights of Pesach, but the custom is, is that we, we're, we're stringent even all the rest of the days of Pesach. Okay? So we're going to continue in a minute. But when we say, when we have, when we buy in the marketplace, when we buy Shemura Matzah, right, we buy Shemura Matzah. So that Shemura Matzah has been watched from the time of harvesting. The non Shemura Matzah was also watched. But either from the time of kneading or from the time of, um, from the time of, uh, of grinding. That's the, so that Matzah we don't call Shemura Matzah. And we'll soon see, uh, we'll soon see more information about this. What? Machine versus hand. we're not up to yet. We're just establishing the fact that the matzah needs to be watched for this. The machine issue we're going to get to in a few. We're going to get to in a few minutes, hopefully, Mitzvahim. Okay. Here I have this article from uh, Rabbi. Um, I have an article in the, in the tradition, the Journal of Halakha in Contemporary Society, uh, from Rabbi Yaakov Yosef School. Okay. In the spring 2005, so there's an article here from Rabbi Botnik, Rabbi Yisrael Botnik. Here he writes, and notice, he says, today the majority of large matzah companies do not produce machine-baked matzah for Pesach that is guarded from the harvesting of grain. There are only a small number of companies that do so. The majority of machine-baked matzahs produced for Pesach is guarded from the kneading of the dough, or from the grinding of the grain. These matzahs are not labeled as Shmura matzah because they are not guarded from the time of harvest. So if one is buying Shmura matzah, we're not talking about the handmade matzah, because the handmade matzah, of course, Shmura matzah. But when one is buying the machine matzah, it's not labeled Shmura matzah unless it's been, and we'll soon see in a minute, right, unless it's been um, labeled, unless it's been Shmura, unless it's been kept and watched from the way that we just explained, from the time that it was harvested. But every matzah, according to this Mishnah Brewer, really is, Shmura matzah, at least from the time of kneading or from the time of grinding, because we have a custom that everybody stringent, like the Mishnah Brewer just described. Okay? That's the way it goes. Yeah? Fine. I was just speaking today also to, uh, I, 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 I spoke, I heard Rabbi Michelle, if you notice that the, okay, we'll, we'll get to this, there's a consistency difference between the, uh, between the Shmura matzah, the machine Shmura matzah, and the non Shmura matzah, the Shreitz matzah, if you take Shreitz matzah, it's thinner, wider, Right, the shmura matzah that that uh, that that um, machine matzah is thicker and it's more coarse. So he explain explain to me through somebody else. He explained to me the reason for this. He said to me like this. He said because making shmura matzah is more expensive because you have to have somebody at the harvesting saying l'shem matzah mitzvah that we're doing this for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah. Right. So that's more expensive. So since it's more expensive, they want to use every drop they can get. Therefore, they don't, they don't bother to sift the, uh, the, the flour. So they keep it, the whole thing, whatever, the bran, everything that's in it. So it's really whole wheat, basically. Right? But the, but the non-shmura matzah, which means that the, the shmira, the guarding of the matzah happens from the time of kneading or from the time of ground, grinding, they don't have a person standing at the time of harvesting saying, Lishay matzah mitzvah. Therefore, it's much cheaper to produce because you don't have to pay the person. Therefore, they, uh, they sift it out. They sift it out, and without... They sift out the flour, 
and so all the bran is not there. Therefore, the consistency is different between the, what we call shmura matzah and not shmura matzah. The shmura matzah is thicker and more coarse. It's basically all wheat. And the, and the, and the white matzah, the, the other matzah, the shreitz matzah, the other matzah, the regular matzah, we call regular, it's not shmura basically. And that is, that is, um, sifted. And therefore, it's, uh, it, it's lighter and, uh, right, less fiber, exactly. As we said. But there's no difference in terms of, in terms of the actual halacha and the halacha. Right, the only difference is not how it's made, but uh, what, uh, what the intent is when it's made, for what purpose it's made. Okay, fine. Anyway, this is what the Mishnah Brewer says. Okay, here the Bira Allah explains like this. He says, he says like this. Um, so some people have the custom to have shmura matzah. Some people have the, we all have the custom to have shmura matzah that is shmura from kneading or from Grinding. That's standard matzah. Okay? Some people have the custom that the matzah should be shmura from the time of harvesting. So they buy only shmura matzah the entire Pesach. So where does that come from? So they hear the Bira Loka says that the opinion of the prach, the pre is that the fact that you need to guard the mitzvah from the time of grounding, grinding is, 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 a, is a din. It's a law. His opinion is that it's not a, uh, a custom, but it's actually a law and one does not fulfill one's obligation and one doesn't eat matzah like that. So it has to be from the time of harvesting. Okay? So, therefore, it's better, it's better to have shmura matzah. It's better to have shmura matzah to be stringent like the prach. If one does not have shmura matzah, they fulfill the obligation because we see already from the, from the machaber, we see from the, from the shulchan Aruch, we see from the court of law, that he says that it is permissible if the shmira, if the keeping of the matzah is from the time of grinding or from the time of kneading. Okay, that's what he says. The Vilma Gon, the Vilma Gon had the custom of, the Vilma Gon had the custom of the, the entire time, he would eat the entire Pesach, he would eat matzah, that was only shmura matzah. That was only, um, that was only guarded from the time of harvest. That was the Vilma Gon's opinion. Okay, that's one section in the halacha. Another section of the halacha, which is slowly going to lead us into the uh, into the machine matzah. The other section of the halacha is in one, in 460. There it is, like this. It says, "Ein Russian matzah matzah mitzvah." One does not need matzah mitzvah and one does not bake it. through a non-Jew, not through somebody who is incapacitated, somebody who's deaf mute. Or um, somebody who's insane, mentally insane, or a minor. So the Mishnah Brura here explains what's matzah mitzvah, and again he explains the same thing that we mentioned before. Why is it not permissible through a non-Jew? He says the reason for this is because it says in our parsha, you should keep the matzah, you should guard the matzah for the sake of the matzah, and it doesn't become chametz. And a person who's not Jewish. Or these other three categories, they cannot, they're not capable of, of watching the, 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 the matzah in this way. Okay? And so that he discusses what happens if a Jew is standing there, uh, does it work, does it not work, some say yes, some say no, etc. The Bira here again says that the opinion of the Rambam and the Vilmagon is all eight days Pesach, they do uh, Shemura Matzah from the time of harvesting. That's the Allah. So you see from here, basically, basic discussion, bottom line, from everything that we said is what? The Matzah has to be 
kept and guarded for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah to the point where if somebody who is not capable of doing that makes the matzah, the matzah is not, one does not fulfill one's obligation with such a matzah. Okay? So now the question is, the question that we want to ask this evening is, does, uh, can, can a machine make matzah? Can a machine make matzah? That's the question. Can a machine make matzah? And can that matzah be, can that matzah be guarded for the sake of, for the sake of using the matzah for the mitzvah? Okay? So, yes? Price. I mean, not everybody can afford $25 a pound as opposed to 10 or 12 Right, so it's cheaper, you mean, so it's cheaper. So this is, now you have the information, now you have the information, ask your local, you know, uh, rabbi what uh, you should do, depending on the price, that's the gray area, and how long it has to make a determination how much money one is going to spend. Right, so certainly, certainly we, uh, we're, it would be prudent to buy hand matzah for the Seder, for the Seder evening, not made by uh that 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 shmura matzah obviously and was not made by a machine also. Okay, now like this the um, okay so the history of the uh, Rabbi uh, Rabbi Botnik here in his article in the Journal of Halakha Contemporary Society has a very nice history of the of machine making matzah. I'm sorry you didn't see the email, Marvin, because I had a nice picture of a machine making matzah. You didn't see the, pi- the picture yep. of the machine. <laughs> so here he says, until the 19th century, the matzah making process remained essentially the same. Kneading the dough, rolling the dough, no other activities up to the point where the dough is put in the oven, all was done by hand. Right? This changed in 1838 in France, when a machine was invented which assisted in the baking process. These and similar machines were first used in France and Western Europe and eventually spread to Eastern Europe, Israel, and America. And here he says, uh, he has sources that the first matzah made by machine was, uh, was, a, it was made in Jerusalem in 1863. Matzahs were baked by machine and were not baked to machine until close to the end of the 19th century. Rabbi uh, Dov Bear came to America in the mid-1880s and opened the matzah bakery in Cincinnati in 1888. Aaron Streit, Streit's matzah, opened the Streit's matzah bakery on the Lower East Side in 1916. Okay? So when the first machine matzahs came out, there was a whole big machwekis, there was a big dispute uh, in Eastern Europe in 1857 specifically. All the great rabbis of the time published works uh, disputing whether or not machine matzah can be used. And the issue basically was that during the baking process, the, uh, the dough is kept too much in the status of dough. Either there's too much heat or the dough gets stuck in the machine, and therefore there's chametz issues. And therefore there are, there are chametz issues that come up. So, for example, what they did was at the beginning is that they made the dough, and then they, the dough came out in squares, baked in a square, and they rounded it out. They rounded out. So those pieces, there was a claim, there was an issue that uh, those pieces become chametz. So therefore now, that's why they made the uh, square. the square mat. Now the mat comes out square because they don't they don't carve it out into a circle because that would create a problem of keeping the dough too much or getting stuck somewhere else or getting thrown out and fermenting and becoming chametz. He says here on the bottom also that some place can maintain in note number four on page 83, says some place can maintain that it's preferable to use round mats on Pesach since the use of round mats on Pesach is an ancient minig with various reasons behind it. So there's that's a separate uh, discussion for us. Uh, that there's perhaps maybe some kind of reason that the matzah has to be uh, round as opposed to square. Oh. 
Okay, but basically the reason why the machine mounts a square is because it's not round. Because when they made it round, there were chametz issues. Okay. Now so, all the matzah plates and everything you buy in the Jewish stores are yeah, all square. They're all square because of the machine matzah. Right. So basically, they, 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 they uh, corrected the error, and at a certain point, it came to a, a point where everybody agreed that the machine matzah at least is not chametz. That, that, that everybody agreed to. The question now is on whether or not this matzah could be shmura matzah. That's the issue. So the first... This is a discussion, this is where the discussion begins, whether the matzah can be shmur matzah or not. This discussion is discussed by everybody, okay, uh, by all different achorim. For example, here we have the Yechavadat, which is a Rabbi Avad Yosef, in the Yechavadat, in uh, volume 1, in his response in number 14, he has this discussion, and uh, the issue revolves around, or at least a lot of the discussion revolves around, a, a Gemara in Tractate Chulin on page 16a. The Gemara in Tractate Chulin talks about a very interesting case, and it's also quoted in Allahab in Yeradea, Simon Zion. Uh, it says like this that um, basically the case like this somebody had a water wheel. You, you know that a, that a shita has to be performed, the ritual slaughter has to be performed with a knife. And if the slaughter the animal, so according to the prescription of Allah. What happens if you attach the knife to the Gemara's question? What happens if you attach the knife to a water wheel? The water wheel spins around and shakhs the behema on its way down. Is that considered to be, is that considered to be a halachic, uh, a shchit or not? That's the question. Now, the reason why this is such a big discussion is because now this has ramified this discussion of whether a machine, you could do a mitzvah with a machine, is whether or not you can, first of all, slaughter an animal with a machine, as we were about to discuss. Also, whether one is allowed to make uh, tzitzis with a machine is also a question, too. Whether tzitzis can be, uh, if, you can, if the machine can, uh, can make the tzitzis instead, it has to be made by human hand. Right? Uh, so, therefore, there, this, the, the response of literature is, is great. And, 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 and big right but the, the discussion begins at least with this halacha in Simon Zion there's only one halacha here it's just like this a person can put a knife on a water wheel of, that's made out of rock or, or, uh, or, um, or wood and he can turn the water wheel around or he can turn the, the wheel around with his hand or his foot and put the neck of the animal on the other side or the bird until when it comes around the knife slaughters the animal with his hand. Now you have to hold the knife exactly in your hand to the Aruch and and slit the throat. You can put it on a on a on a wheel, on a on a wooden apparatus or a, or a, a stone apparatus, turn the wheel around and when it comes around it can slaughter the animal. Let's do this. Why? Unless the animal skips right. Okay. Now, if the water is moving the water wheel and, a, and an animal's neck is there, then that is not a good shita. That shita is disqualified because the, the animal was slaughtered by the water, not by the power of the human hand. However, what happens if the person creates a little dam in front of the water wheel? And he opens the dam and lets the water in, and the pressure of the water hits the water wheel. The water wheel goes around. Right? You've caused it. So if he opens it, and then it's a good shita, he says. Then it's a good shita. That is a very good, that's a good slaughter. Why? Uh, this is not the preferable method to do it, but it's a good slaughter because it's coming from the power of the person. When does this apply, says the Shulchan Aruch, on the first spin around? 
because that's coming from the person's power because he let the dam go and the water hit however the second revolution and all the ones that follow are not good the second revolution are followed because that is already the secondary power of the person and he's not causing it to go that's the halacha says say the Achronim, including Rabbi Bar Yosef you see from this that you see from this that if the person is not a direct cause of something then it's not attributed to his action so what happens if a person now takes a machine and makes a matzah in the machine he presses the button so is it considered like he is doing the mitzvah of making the matzah can he say at the time that he presses the button this is for the sake l'shem matzah's mitzvah this is for the sake of making a matzah for the sake of using it for a mitzvah can he do that when he presses the button and can we attribute all the other actions that the machine does to his first act of pressing the button so when you press the button what are you doing you're completing a circuit completing the circuit allows the electricity to travel through the circuit the circuit the, the electricity reaches the motor the motor spins around and moves the belt, cuts the dough, and does everything that is uh, in sequence that eventually produces the matzah. Right? So says the uh, Rabbi Vag Yosef, that when one completes the circuit, that's the same as releasing the water that's being held by the dam. Now, one, the, the electricity is being stopped, the water is being stopped, one takes away the dam and the water flow, flows freely, one completes the flow of the water that hits the water wheel, the water wheel spins around and the knife that's attached to it follows the animal and the electricity flows, hits the, uh, the, uh, the motor and then the motor begins to, to, to function. So that would work for the first function of the motor, but all the electricity and the water that follows, that's already considered a secondary action of the person, and therefore it's not attributed to him, and therefore, the same way that the shechita is not going to be good, so too the production of the matzah is also not going to be good. And therefore, even if he says that it's made for the sake of matzah production, for it should be shmura, this should be kept, that's only going to work for the first so to speak, spinning of the, or the first workings of the motor, of this machine, but for everything else that ensues, it's not going to work. That's what, uh, that's what he says. One? You hear? One? Fine. So he says like this, perhaps maybe you can say like this. If a person takes the water wheel, if he takes the, the, the water wheel, right, uh, and let's say, let's say it's not attached to the water, but it's just, it's a spinning wheel, like you have, um, when you want to get like a certain number, you play this game, you, you spin the wheel, and it goes from your, it goes from your koach, it goes, like the, we saw in the shulchanach, it goes from your, your strength, you're, you're turning the wheel around. So if it continues to turn around, Let's take a step back. The Shulchan Aruch is like this. The first case of the Shulchan Aruch was you take the wheel and you move it around with the force of your hand. What happens if it keeps on moving with the force of your hand? Would that be good? Sure. So since it's moving with the force of your hand, it should be good. Right? That, so in that case, 
in that case, perhaps maybe we can make the same, says Ravad Yosef, perhaps maybe we can make the same argument, perhaps maybe we can make the same argument with, um, we can make the same argument with electricity. Perhaps maybe the, the, it is continuing to moving because of, your, of, the, of the force of your action. Not because of the electricity that flows through it. You have a question? Yeah? I, I, I didn't understand the last thing he said about not because the electricity flows through it. He says like this. He says, because of Abach, we like you Abach. These are going right like this. That even if a person removes his hand after he sets the wheel into motion, and the wheel continues to move on. From the beginning of, of, of it spinning around. As long as the wheel is not being moved by the power of the water or some other outside influence, okay, it's moving because of his power, then the shita will be kosher. That was the first case in the court of law. Even the wheel is moving by itself. Even though he let go of the wheel, that should be considered his strength. Because everything is coming from his strength. After he presses the button on the machine, and he, and he makes the machine turn on, and he says, this is for the sake of the matzah, that should all be considered for the sake of matzah. Even after he takes over his hand. In other words, perhaps maybe you can make the argument that since he set the thing in motion, therefore it's attributed to him. And it's not the same thing as the water. It's more the same as taking the wheel and spinning it around, and it's still spinning around from his strength. So he says, that's not true. That's not true. He says that the prima godin in number three of the aforementioned law, um, in the Sifse Das, he says like this, that that's only true if the wheel is moving around exclusively because of the person's first push. But if the wheel is being moving around, let's say there's a wind. Let's say it's very windy. I was in San Francisco a few days ago. It was very windy. 35 mile an hour winds. Couldn't land the plane. So you have to spin around and get nauseous and all. It's very, a lot of fun. Right? They have this um, holding pattern. Flying, flies, flies around, can't land. A lot of because of those spurts of wind, 35 miles an hour. Very dangerous. Okay? So if you have spurts of wind that are, that are contributing to the movement, to the revolution of this wheel that is, the knife is attached to, says the crazy place and the, and that's quoted in the, in the Sisei Das, that that's not going to work. The only time it works is if the, the, the only time the shita is good is if the wheel is moving exclusively because of the power of the person who set it into motion. So therefore, over here also, since the, electri- the, the, the motor is functioning be- not only because of the power of the person who set it into motion by pressing the button, but because of the electricity, it, which is the, this analogous to the contribution of the water to the water wheel, therefore, it's not considered... Like, um, it's, not, it's not considered like he did it. And therefore, so Rabbi Yosef wants to say, Rabbi Yosef wants to say that machine shmuramata should not be used for Seder evening because it's not considered 
it's not really, it cannot be Shmuel Matzah, because it's analogous to, as we saw in the Halacha, as being made by a, a person who's incapacitated, because the machine can't have the intent of, uh, machine can have an intent that it's Shmuel. However, says Rabbi Yosef, that Rabbi Yosef marshals many different famous posts, many different famous rabbis, a lot of responses, that say that it is permissible, that we could attribute it to, to the, uh, to the person who's doing it when he presses the button. Amongst them, the rabbi Bnei Brak the Chazonish, and the Hartzi, which we'll see in a minute, <coughs> uh, the, 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 all of these responses will say that it is permissible. And therefore he says like this, he says, when we call Malcolm, in his conclusion, he says, Mitzvah min amuvcher, it is the best possible mitzvah, that a person should try to get matzah shmura, which we defined already what matzah shmura is, that was made by hand. Shinasis bidei anoshin, that was made by the hands of people, Yorashamayim who fear heaven, habikim bahalacha, that know the halacha of how to make matzah. In order to fulfill their obligation the first evening, according to all opinions. However, the rest of the days of Yom Tov, whoever eats Matzah Shmura, they can be lenient to eat machine Matzah. That is kosher lepesach. Okay? That is, that is kosher lepesach. So now the question becomes, which I discussed with the, the head of the Halakhic Institute of the Star K, Rabbi Mordechai Frankel. I discussed it with him this afternoon. And uh, the question is now, is there any reason to be machmer to have machine shmuramat the rest of the days of Pesach? Okay? That's the, that's the question. In other words, the Rabbi Vad Yosef is saying, and all the other Achorim say that you should be machmer to have, to have shmuramat that's not machine, that's made by hand, the first two nights of Pesach. What about, so what, what about the rest of the days of Pesach, he says? If he eats Shmura Matzah, can he eat Shmura Matzah even, uh, can he eat Shmura Matzah even that's made out from a machine? So he's saying he should eat Shmura Matzah that's made from a machine. What about eating not Shmura Matzah that's made by a machine? So should one, so he's saying one should eat Shmura Matzah that's made by a machine the rest of the days of Pesach. Okay? But we already said that all the Matzah that's made all the matzah is made ishmura from the time of either kneading or grinding. The shmura matzah that we buy is shmura from the time of harvesting. So is there any reason to be machmer on such a matzah? So we said already that the vulnagon was machmer to eat shmura matzah the entire days of Pesach. Why? Why was he? Why? Because he did because of this mitzvah, he held that the mitzvah so he shouldn't become chametz to be extra careful. He ate more matzah the entire days of Pesach. Okay, so Rabbi Frankel wanted to say that there is no. So okay, the question I asked him is like this: I said to him, "What's the reason that we cannot have shmura matzah that's made by a machine on the first night of Pesach? Because we're saying that we're, we suspect, according to some opinions, that the machine can't have intent to make the matzah shmura." Therefore, we have uh, it made by hand. So, for the same reason, so therefore we're stringent, sorry, therefore we're stringent that we have hand Shmura Mata. But those postkin that say that one should have Shmura Mata the entire Pesach, 
they shouldn't eat machine shmur matzah for that reason also. Because what's machine shmur matzah? Machine shmur matzah is a matzah that was made by a machine that the person who pressed the button said it should be for the sake of matzah for a mitzvah. But we just finished saying that that's not, that doesn't work according to some post and that's why we're eating hand matzah on the night of Pesach. Right? So therefore, one should be stringent to have hand shmur matzah the entire Pesach. Because the machine doesn't work. It doesn't work for Shmura. For it doesn't work for Shmura. Right? So he answered me, which we, we just saw, that according to the Chazanish, and according to those Akhoinim, we Paskin, we hold that machine Shmura Matzah is good Shmura Matzah. According to the strict letter of the law, the final halachic decision is that machine Shmura Matzah is good Matzah because the pressing of the button we do attribute to the person who pressed the button, according to the Chazanish. And according to Ratzvi, even for the Seder. However, in deference to the postkim that say that it doesn't work for the Seder, our custom is that we're stringent because it's a Torah mitzvah to have to 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 to, to um to keep these matzos, to guard these matzos for the first two nights of Pesach that we have hand matzah, and therefore everybody has hand matzah. That's what Rabbi Vadia says. However, for the rest of the days of Pesach, it's only a custom to have Shmura Matzah. So therefore, if, you don't, if one does not have Shmura Matzah for the rest of the days of Pesach, they're only uh, not fulfilling the custom, not a mitzvah of the Torah. Because there's no... Any, any... Right. Right. Therefore, therefore if, one, if one has machine Matzah, that's Shmura, of course that should be sufficient. One does not need to eat hand matzah, because as far as the law is concerned, we have determined that machine shmura matzah is shmura matzah. Just that we're a little bit more stringent for the Seder. Okay? I don't know if that makes... I hope I made that, made that clear. So basically, the bottom line is, is that it's preferable to have, or according to the post game, Right, let's start with the bottom line again. The bottom line is, um, the bottom line is, is that when uh, matzah that's made by a machine, whoever presses the button, it's attributed to that person who pressed the button that he's the one who made the matzah. Therefore, he can press the, bot- the button and say, this is for the sake of of, the, of making matzah to fulfill the myth of matzah. That's the opinion of the Chazanish and all the other Akhoinim who say that it works. Because the whole action that ensues, the whole domino effect, is considered his doing. Okay, that's the letter of the law. According, there are some posts that say that the action is not attributed to him, and therefore we're stringent that for the first two nights of Pesach, we have hand shmura matzah. Now, there is a stringency to eat shmura matzah for the rest of the days of Pesach. But it's only a stringency. So for that stringency, we rely on those poskim that say that the machine works for Shmura, and therefore one does not have to eat hand matzah that Shmura the rest of the days of Pesach. It's sufficient if one wants to be stringent about the Shmura matzah to eat machine Shmura matzah the rest of the days of Pesach. Okay? That seems to be the, the consensus. That's the mitzvah in this week's partial. What do you want to ask Davis? My question is that has to do with what you started with, with the unity? Did you talk about the unity, that matzah represents unity? Matzah represents unity, yes. Okay, so the problem is 
that whatever the decisions were, it's, this was confusing, it should be one way or the other, not, and that they should stick with, because in not doing that, that one could be considered stricter than the other, that creates disunity, because within a community, someone could say, well, they don't keep strict, or they do, even though both are holistically correct, there's, there's disunity in that. Okay, so I, 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 uh, I hear what you because you're saying that if you have different levels of stringency, so there's disunity in the community. Okay, so since that was, since that was homiletic, I'm going to give you a homiletic answer. I'm going to give you a Jewish answer also. Okay, the, the, if you read the Messiah of Sharm, you read the Path of the Just. So in the Path of the Just, I think, I believe, I didn't have the chance to look this up, in chapter 11, there he discusses uh, what is called Nikios, which means to be clean when one, when one keeps mitzvahs. Okay, so in the Kios there he says that one of the attributes of one who is clean that keeps mitzvahs at a certain level is he keeps the mitzvahs even according to the minority opinion. He keeps the mitzvahs even according to the minority opinion. Which means that if let's say the majority opinion says that a certain item is kosher or formulated in a certain way it's kosher and the minority opinion says it's not he does not keep the he keeps the minority opinion and does not eat that item. That's what the Mesir Sharm says. That's called Nikias. So the Mesir Sharm is describing levels of growth, starting from being careful to being zealous, all the way up to Ruach HaKodesh. So there's, there's a ladder of the, that, that one climbs in order to become a person who possesses Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. Right? So one of the levels uh, on that ladder of growth is Nikias. So at a certain point of growth, a person is more stringent to fulfill those Torah opinions of, of, of sages who are strict about certain things as far as the Zekash is concerned, or maybe the laws of Nida, or maybe the laws of Titus, or any other, maybe the laws of Shabbos, that other people might not necessarily, uh, uh, that, 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 that the halacha, the strict halacha, the letter of the law, does not require. Okay? So you see what's implicit from that discussion of the Ramchal, or Moshe Chaim Latzato, that of course in a society you have different levels of growth different levels of stringency because everybody's on a different uh, on a different rung of the ladder that's by definition that's the way it has to be there is there is room to grow no not everybody everybody can't be all on the same level of religion because the, the way that the Torah is structured is is that it's a way of life that through that way of life as we live and get older we're supposed to become older more mature and more holy, more Kaddishtika people. And so therefore, by definition, there's going to be le- different levels of different levels of keeping the mitzvahs and stringencies in all levels, in, in all forms of, of, of uh, the performance of the mitzvahs. And so therefore, there's always, it's very, when it comes to Pesach, since there are, there are disagreements about the halacha, about, let's say, for in, in, our, in the context of our discussion, of Shmur Amatzah, there's going to, there's always going to be room for for uh, there's going to be room for stringencies. The Mahabra himself says that the matzah should be kept from the time of harvesting. But if you can't keep it from the time of harvesting, it should be from the time of grinding. If you can't do that, you don't have another option. It should be from the time of kneading, right? So he leaves the window open that there's going to be one who's keeping it from the time of harvesting, going to be another one from the time of leading, kneading, the one from the grinding. So obviously that must mean that that does not create this unity. Levels of stringency does not create this unity. Le- di- different, uh, different forms of Judaism creates this unity. If it does, if 
you're in a community and one person won't go to this person's house to eat or that or this because they are using the machine and they are not and they are, it, then it does. Yes and no. Yes and no. It does and it doesn't. It depends on... Ideally, though, the community, everyone should be the stringent because you have to assume the other person is at high levels. So why won't, why won't you make that the... Uh, it doesn't matter which one it is. So if it's the, you know, the non-machine made or the yeah. Machine, why not everyone should do that because you have to assume the other person's... Hey, look, the Gemara says, the Gemara is like this. The Gemara says on page 86A in Tractate Yuma, one of the Amorim said that if they walked six feet without wearing the talus and so on, for them it would be a Achil uh, Hashem. It would be profaning Hashem's name, as we discussed. Many times we mentioned this Gemara before. So if that's the case, it would be Achil Hashem for that person not to wear a, a, a talus and so on, if they walk six, six feet. So, so that means what? If that person wears a talus and so on, everywhere they go. So obviously some people didn't wear talus and so on every six feet that they walked. Another person says that it was a chil Hashem for them if they didn't pay the vendor right away. You know from this, right? Sometimes people pay right away. Sometimes they pay six months later. Sometimes they don't pay at all. That's a different issue. That's a different discussion. Right? So this person said it would be a chil Hashem for me if I didn't pay right away. If I waited a day, if I waited an hour to pay my bill, it would be, it would be a chil Hashem. Which means that what? That for another person, it would not be a chil Hashem. No, it's for an everyday person, everyday Jewish person that's walking around the street. If they didn't pay right away, that's normal practice. That's the way it goes. There's nothing wrong with that. You paid an hour later. It's standard practice. But for a big rabbi, for a big rabbi, who is as holy as, uh, as that Amora, if he didn't pay right away, for him it would be a chil Hashem. So you see that there's a different expected of him. There's a different level of, of maturity, a different level of spiritual accomplishment that's expected of him. People would consider and judge that person if he wasn't strict in that area of paying right away or wearing his talus and filling or wearing his filling everywhere he went. So it doesn't create this unity if it's understood that those people are holding on that level. And that's the reason why they're doing it. It shouldn't create this unity if those people that are not holding on that level understand, right? They're saying, oh, look, a person uh, does not, learns an hour a week. Okay, so so you say to him, well, you know, so and so, so and so rabbi, he learns uh, six hours a day. Why did you learn? Uh, that's disunity because uh, you're learning six hours a day. He's learning. Uh, you're, you're learning an hour a week. He's learning six hours a day. Why don't you learn six hours a day? So you, what's your response? Natural response is he's holding on, uh, on on a higher level than I am. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to learn six hours a day. And uh, I'm only, I, can only, I can only handle one hour. That doesn't create this unity. We understand that there's a hierarchy of, of accomplishment, and uh, we respect that. So recognizing it's, 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 you know, it's not this unity to recognize the greatness of someone. Right. And if somebody has a, car, a familial custom, uh, it depends. First of all, it's, if it's a family custom, so then the, the reasons for the custom are not 100% clear. And they're keeping it out of respect for their family and because that's their family custom and because that's the requirement of the law, that you follow, you follow your family's custom. 100%, right? But, um, but uh, if somebody's keeping a custom or somebody's more stringent than the other person, if they're, the reason why they're doing it is because they want to show that they are holier than thou, then of course, then, you know, that's, uh, that's going to create disunity because arrogance is always saying that I'm better than you. But if the person is doing it because they are on a, on a different level, that's okay. We respect that. 
which comes back to your original thing of intent. So if the person's intent is holy, then we would all recognize Yeah, and they say the reason why I keep this is because my parents keep it, and what can I do? You know, they held that this was, this, this was the proper thing. That's my custom, this is your custom. Then uh, that's the way it goes. And if, if, that, if the ramification of that is, is you can't eat in a person's house, that's not the intent. That's just the ramification of the idea. It's not meant to create a disunity because we're assuming that there is a general respect around everybody. In all areas. So take a look at the big picture. We, expect, we ourselves expect of rabbis to act in a different way than we do. That's good for the rabbi, but not for me. I'm not, I'm not there. You know, the rabbi doesn't go to the movies. I go to the movies. The movies are, you know, the movies are fun for me. But I mean, if you would see the rabbi at the movies, you, you would be, uh, you would be uh, disturbed if the rabbi was at the movie, right? But if you're at the movie, it's fine. I'm just saying, if you saw the rabbi doing certain things that you do, you would not be happy with the rabbi because you expect your rabbi not to be doing the things that you do because you want him to be on a different level. <laughs> so that creates this unity because now we have this special rabbinical clad of people who don't do these things, walk around holier than down, and there's us. Right? So, but that's not true because we respect them. We understand that that's where they are. So sometimes that manifests itself in, in different stringencies. If you take a look at the path of the just, you see that that's the attribute. If the person is sincere about it and honest, that's the attribute of Nikias, of being clean, of trying to fulfill everybody's, everybody's opinion. That's my response. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, that's what I want to share with everybody. Have a good Shabbos. And a kosher Pesach. I, I have a... I have a uh,